You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship. Changing lives for eternity. Life without Christ is like walking in total darkness. It was meaningless and without purpose. My name is Jonathan Du, and for the most part of my life, I had no direction in life, and I was in bondage to sin. It was in high school when I first tried smoking shabu. Eventually, I became a drug addict. I was addicted to shabu, marijuana, and alcohol, and my life was a mess. I underwent rehab twice, but still didn't change. As a matter of fact, I grew worse. I lived to satisfy the desires of my flesh. I had two sons from two mothers because of my immoral life. I was a very irresponsible father who neglected the needs of my children because of my addictions. My father at one point gave me a business hoping I would change for the better, but I used the profit to buy more drugs. Eventually, I wasted all my money and decided to sell drugs just to support my vices. I came to the point when I was already talking to myself in a dark room and considering suicide as my last resort to escape all my frustrations. I have always wanted to change and be set free from my addictions, but the more I tried, the harder I fell. One night, after a shabu pat session and having been awake for more than a week because of excessive use of drugs, when I was on my way home, my heart beat so fast like a rolling drumbeat. I had difficulty in breathing, my head and my hands became numb, and I started losing consciousness. I told myself that this is it, I'm going to die, and I will die as a drug addict. A deep sadness suddenly overwhelmed me. I remembered my family and loved ones, especially my children, as I thought that I would not make it. I was so afraid that time and wondered where I would go when I die. In an instant, I heard a voice in my head saying, pray to Jesus. I said to God, Lord, just save me today and I will let you use me. After barely saying the name of Jesus in prayer, my heartbeat slowly became normal. I regained my strength and I found myself able to normally breathe again. In that moment of distress, the Lord answered me, showed me mercy, love, and grace. I knew I encountered God that time, but unfortunately, after a week, I went back to my old ways again. My family forcefully brought me to a rehab again, and after two weeks, I was transferred to Penwell Home, a Christian rehabilitation for men, one of CCF's ministries. After two weeks, I escaped and ended up using drugs again. But this time, it was different. I didn't enjoy the effect of drugs, and I was bothered that I might not be able to experience change if I would not seek help. For some reason, I wanted to be back in Penwell. For the very first time, I admitted that I am a drug addict and that I could not save myself on my own. Penwell accepted me again, and from then on, I started reading the Bible. God's words pierced my heart. God made me realize that I am a sinner who needs God's grace and forgiveness to save me from my sins. June 30, 2011, I repented from my sins and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. After, after the six months program in Penwell, I came out with a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Today, I no longer smoke, 
get drunk, and get high on drugs. Christ has truly set me free from my addictions with the powerful truth of His gospel. He's the only one who can set me free. In 2013, I got married to Jamil, who accepted me for who I am. We started serving the Lord by leading youth in Elevate. By the grace of God, my wife and I are now leading a young couple's D-group. I also regularly share God's word in prisons through the Biahe Jail ministry. God has also given me a privilege to preach His word in different CCF satellite churches. We also now have regular family Bible studies, and I'm very passionate in discipling our children to know the Lord. My life now is meaningful, purposeful, and joyful no matter what happens because I have Christ in my life. I am Jonathan Du, a recipient of God's grace, a free man in Jesus Christ. To God be all the glory. Praise God. The amazing power of Jesus to transform lives. I've asked his wife to be with us also. His D-group leader is teaching, preaching in another place. But I'd just like to remind all of us what CCF is all about. It's all about connecting people to Jesus, put them in a small group to disciple them, and then to empower them like what's happening to my brother here, John. Okay? Jonathan is now sharing the gospel. He has his own business. He's self-supporting but he's also teaching the Bible. What is CCF all about? Number one, you want to honor God by connecting people to Jesus. You want them to be in a small group, to disciple them, to grow them. And then you want to release them for ministry. Shall we pray for Jonathan and his wife, Jamil? Everybody, why don't you stand up? Let's pray for them. Father God in heaven, what a joy and privilege for us to hear what you have done in the life of Jonathan and his wife, Jamil. I thank you that in your love and mercy, you reached out to Jonathan when he was completely living in darkness. Thank you for not allowing him to kill himself. Thank you for allowing him to encounter you through the ministry of CCF. We pray for many CCFers who would like to reach out to their friends Will you encourage them and help them not to surrender or give up? And I thank you for the family. I pray for Jamil and I pray for the children, that you will protect them from the evil one and use this family to expand your kingdom. Protect my brother here from pride. Protect him from temptations. And above all, keep him holy and pure to stay away from drugs. Let him know he needs you constantly moment by moment, that he cannot live the Christian life in his own power. And I pray for the many CCFers and our guests, those who are watching us in television, those who are watching us in the internet, if they are hurting, if they are discouraged, will you remind them that nothing is impossible with you? Reach out to our brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray for the President that you give our president wisdom on how to make good decisions, especially in his desire to get rid of graft and corruption, to get rid of drugs. Lord, will you help him? Will you help the military, the police, everybody, all those who are in leadership, to work together to make this country better? Have mercy on the Philippines, Lord. We, don't, we did not realize 
Lord, how bad our situation is. Lord, we have no idea the extent of drug problems. So I pray for mercy that you will reach out. And especially, Lord, help CCF become a vital part in helping our country to help rehabilitate drug addicts. I pray for all the volunteers of CPAG, all the satellites, all the leaders, and all the other churches that you will give us a passion and a burden to help drug addicts. And Lord, we commit to you the future of our country. Expose the corrupt people and help our president make good decisions. We pray for our vice president. We pray for our chief justice. We pray that you will guide her to make good decisions. We pray for the judiciary. We pray for the senators and congressmen. Be the one to expose the graft and corrupt people. Be the one to get rid of them. We pray for the PNP. We pray for the military that you will give us honest men and women who will serve their country. And I commit to you now, all the families represented here this morning, you know some of them are hurting, some are discouraged. I don't know what problems they are encountering, but through this message, be the one to inspire them. Be the one to speak to all of us. I pray for all the satellites that is worshiping you today, the international satellites, local satellites, and all the other Christian uh, groups that's gathering together. May your life be very real, be very present in our midst. In Jesus' name we all pray, amen and amen. Thank you. By the way, next Sunday, I'd like you to invite your friends, your family members. We will speak on the evidence and the implications of the resurrection. If the resurrection did not happen, forget Christianity. If the resurrection happened, what does it mean? Did it happen? Did it not happen? So bring your friends. What is more important? What you do or why you do what you do? Raise your hands, okay? You can only raise your hands once. But try to help me by raising your hands at least once. Two questions. You raise your hands once. How many of you believe what you do is more important than why you do. Second question, how many of you believe why you do is more important than what you do? If you are still confused, wake up. Gizina. Okay? So, here's the question. How many of you believe the most important thing in life is what you do? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you believe most important is why you do what you do? Okay, wonderful. The right answer is why you do is more important than what you do. What's my proof? I will show you from the Bible why it's so important. It has to do with your motivations. For example, let's begin by reading Revelation chapter 2. Jesus speaks to the church at Ephesus. This is what he's telling them. Everybody read. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance. You cannot tolerate evil men. You put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. You found them to be false, and you have perseverance and have endurance for my name's sake and have not grown weary. 
Ladies and gentlemen, is this a good church? Yes or no? Of course. Look, I know your deeds. They're busy serving the Lord. I know your toil. Look at the grammar. They're perspiring in serving the Lord. I know your perseverance. They don't give up. You cannot tolerate evil men. Doctrinally, they believe the right thing. They don't tolerate false teachings. So they know doctrines. You put to the test those who call themselves apostles. So this church knows a lot of stuff. In fact, you should be happy with this church. Yes or no? But notice what Jesus has to say. Jesus tells them, everybody read, I have this against you. You have fallen. You have left your first love. Now, what is the meaning of first love? First love is something like marriage. When you first met your wife, and you don't know exactly when, somehow you began to love her, and then you got married. That's the honeymoon period. All of you have a honeymoon period with Jesus. When you first encountered him, look at your own life. Did you love Jesus? Were you so happy when you discovered how your sins had been forgiven? Did you have that desire to pray? Did you have that desire to read the Bible? Yes or no? Those were, that's your first love. But the Bible says if you are not careful, you become so busy. You become so busy with activities. And pretty soon, Christianity is no longer a love relationship. It becomes a duty. It becomes rituals. It becomes a chore. And God is telling us today, I want you to remember your first love. Whatever you do, it must be motivated by love. Do you know love is so important? Because Jesus gave them a warning. Jesus told them, be careful. Remember where you have fallen. Repent and do the deeds you did at first. In other words, it's possible to recover your first love. And that's what I want to talk about today. How to recover your first love. Why you should be motivated by love. And the reason is very serious. Because God wants you to love Him. He does not want you just to perform for Him. Activities is great, but more important is your relationship with Him. Everybody please read. Or else, what's the warning? I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place. The idea here is every church is like a light to the world. Your life manifests Christ. And God is saying, if you don't have love, that will be taken away. Because the greatest witness is our love for Christ and our love for one another. Why am I sharing this with you? Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for praying for me. I've been away for a few weeks. Did you miss me? Yes. Oh, really, huh? Okay, good. I miss you also. But this is, I want to thank you for praying for me. Yeah, you want to clap? That's okay. Clap. I'm back. Thank you for praying for me. I learned a couple of things that impacted my message today. I discovered 80% of young people in America who grew up in Sunday school, who grew up in places like this, once they leave their family, 
Once they go to the universities, they don't go back to church. Let me repeat. 80% of our children, if we are not careful, once they leave home, may not embrace what you believe in. In short, they have religion, but no personal encounter with Jesus. Another shocking statistics. 98% of born-again Christians who believe in Jesus admitted that their behavior is not Christ-like. Let me repeat. 98% of people who claim to know Jesus, who claim to believe in Jesus, who claim to be born again, does not behave like Christ. How can that be? Last week, a father was talking to me. He said, I spoke to my children. I told them about boyfriend, girlfriends. I told them at this point in your life, you must preserve your purity, etc., etc. Why is it that our young people today, including adults, their behavior do not reflect Christ? Think about it. Is it possible that you have lost your first love? Is it possible that you and I never had a personal encounter with Jesus? Look at the testimony of Jonathan, a drug addict. What changed him when he met Jesus? When you meet Jesus, I submit to you, something happens. The Bible is very clear. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So if you don't see changes in your life, ladies and gentlemen, it is my responsibility to warn you that number one, perhaps you don't know the Lord. All you have is religion. You see, many people have this idea. I prayed to receive Christ. I raised my hands. My friend, that is meaningless. If you never, ever had an encounter with who Jesus is, and then you surrender your life to him, and you will be thinking you are a Christian, but all you have is religion. And that I submit to you is the book I read, The Last Christian Generation. It's a very interesting book. You should try to read that book by Josh McDowell. The Last Christian Generation. My burden is for CCFers worldwide, throughout all our satellites, and all the Christians all over the world to understand. It is important that you go back to basic. Who is Jesus? And the Bible tells us we are to love him. Do you know love is the most powerful motivation? Yes or no? How many of you have been in love once? Raise your hand. At least once. <laughs> well, I'm still in love, okay? So I keep raising my hand. Now, listen to me. There was a man who wanted to lose weight. He could not lose weight. He's overweight by 100 pounds. That's a lot of weight. He tried everything, willpower, diet, everything. One day, his daughter was diagnosed of having kidney problem. 
And eventually the doctor said, there is no way we can fix up the kidney problem of your daughter. What she needed is kidney transplant. And so they were looking for a kidney that will match her body. They could not find any. The doctor said, you qualify, except I cannot operate on you because you are overweight. You need to lose weight. You know what happened to this man? Because he loved his daughter. In six to eight months' time, he lost weight, so much weight. I believe maybe 60, 80 pounds, okay? That's a lot of weight. Then the doctor said, okay, I cannot operate on you. You know why? Love is powerful. Sometimes you don't feel like obeying Jesus. Sometimes you don't feel like doing what you need to do. Yes or no? Be honest with me. What will make you do it? Love Jesus. Sometimes you like to do what you like to do. But in life, you need to learn to do what you need to do. You see, in life, it cannot always be what you like to do. There are certain things in life you need to do because it is the right thing to do. And what will make you do it? Love. You love Jesus? You love each other? That's my message today. You see, past few weeks, we have been discussing love. What will love do? You, we learn love will obey. We learn that love is generous. Love will give. But listen to me. All of those will eventually stop if you don't do it for the right reason. So turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, love like Jesus. <laughs> Why do I say love like Jesus? My friend, everybody, let's read this together. Love like Jesus. What do I mean, love like Jesus? Let me share with you from the Bible the basis of loving like Jesus. Everybody read. Be imitators of me. From the Greek word mimic, copy me, as I also am of Christ. You see, our problem is this. Our standards are so low. When it comes to Christianity, how to behave properly, our standards is like the world. The divorce rate among believers in the U.S. is just the same percentage as unbelievers. The purity index of people who go to church and the purity index, people having sexual relationship before they were married, is the same as those in the church, as those outside the church. What is the problem? The problem is this. We don't know Jesus, or we don't love Jesus, and we love ourselves more. And that, my friend, is my burden. We need to set the standards. Who is our standard? Jesus. We need models. Your family need a model, but they cannot see Jesus. They see you. The world needs a model. They cannot see Jesus. They see us. Your small group, they need a model. 
You need to model. As you copy Jesus, what must you do? Copy Jesus and tell others, follow. I remember a businessman. I was telling him, why don't you teach Bible in your company? You see, in CCF, I believe, based on the Bible, all of us are ministers. Yes or no? My job as pastor is to equip the saints. But the saints are the ministers. You are the ministers. So I said, why don't you teach Bible at home? Why don't you teach Bible in your office? You know what he told me? Peter, I like to, but I cannot teach. I said, what's your problem? Because I don't act like Christ. I lose my temper. I curse. So will you please send somebody to teach Bible? I said, your solution is wrong. The solution is so simple. You repent, you act like Christ, and teach the Bible. My friend, why will you allow yourself the excuse of not following Jesus? The Bible says, what must we do? Love God with all our heart and love one another. Everybody, can you wake up your neighbor? Tell your neighbor, gising na. Okay, gising na, okay, gising na. What's the message today? Love like Jesus. Listen to me. If you love Jesus, you will listen to the message, yes or no? But if you don't love Jesus, go to sleep. It's okay with me. Because it's nothing against me personally. Listen to me. I don't take things personally. My job is to teach you. Love who? Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, that's between you and him. What's the message today? Love like Jesus. Because he tells us, be imitators of me as I also am of Christ. So I'm telling all parents, all family members, people are watching you, be a good model. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Everybody read. Be imitators of God. Notice our model. Be imitators of God. That is the standard, not your neighbor, not your friends. As beloved children, like father, like son. If God is your father, better behave like him. Walk in love as Christ loves you gave himself up for us. So our standard, God, Jesus. What's the message today? Love like Jesus. How do you love like Jesus? That's my message today. I want to teach you. Today, we face an amazing challenge because the world does not understand theology or dogma. But it understands love. The world today don't understand dogma or theology. You know what they want? A model. And you are the model. What were the last words of Jesus? Can I tell you the last words of Jesus? The first last words. Many of you are familiar with the seven words of Jesus before he died on the cross? Yes or no? Are you familiar with the seven last words? I don't know why they say last words. It should be sentences. Because the seven last sentences of Jesus. Number one is this. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Second, in Luke chapter 23, truly I say to you, you shall be with me in paradise. What's the third one? Do you recall? Woman, behold your son. Your son, Behold your mother. Remember? What's the next one? Father, fa my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember? What's the next one? I thirst. What's the next one? It is finished. What's the last one? Into thy hand. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Today, 
I want to focus on the last two sentences of Jesus found in the book of Luke. There are three, but for time, only two. Okay? What are the last two words of Jesus? Two sentences. Number one, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. If you want to learn to love like Jesus, you must first go back to how he loved you. You know, my friends, I want to be honest with you. Sometimes I have a problem loving Jesus. And I've discovered a solution. The solution is not to focus on my love for Jesus. I focus on his love for me. I meditate on how much he loved me. And today, I want to show you how much God loves you. What does it mean to love like Jesus? Let me share with you simple principles, a few of them. Number one, to love like Jesus, you must realize it is supernatural. That love comes from God. The Bible tells us we love because he first loved us. So you must know. First, it comes from God. Number two, to love like Jesus is costly because it costs Jesus his life. Many of us, we want to love, but we don't understand what is true love. True love is costly. You may do something you don't want to do. It's going to cost you something. That's true love. Counterfeit love is selfishness. I do things for my own sake. True love is different. So are you, do you want to learn how to love like Jesus? All right. Let's look at this amazing sentence. First, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Notice Jesus. I want you to learn from him. The word cross involves what? Stay with me. What do you think of when you think of the cross? The word excruciating pain. Excruciating. That is from the word cross. Ex cross. From the cross. Because the crucifixion is the worst kind of pain invented by humanity. It was first invented by who? The Persians. Perfected by the Romans. The purpose of the cross is to inflict maximum pain with the slowest degree so that you will not die immediately. Many people will stay on the cross for one day, two days, three days. But the pain is horrible. When Jesus died on the cross, I want to assure you it is painful. But notice his first statement on the cross. Father, forgive them. Why? Because Jesus trusted the Father. Most of us, when you are in pain, when you have family problems, example, your husband, your wife, your daughter is sick with cancer, whatever kind of problem. I've seen many people, they say, I don't believe in God anymore. If God does not answer my prayer, then God is not love. That's our concept. 
but not Jesus. When Jesus was in the midst of pain, what did he say? Father. Do you notice the meaning of that word, Father? Jesus trusted in God. Friends, I don't know about what's going on in your life today. Perhaps you are disappointed. Perhaps you have somebody sick. Perhaps you are praying for somebody. But can you still honestly say, no matter what's happening to me, I believe God loves me. And you can say, Father. To love people, you must be secure with God's love. You cannot love others until your vertical relationship with God is tight and intimate. Let me repeat. I cannot love you the way I should love you if my relationship with God the Father is not tight and not intimate. I need intimacy with God. I need to trust God that He loves me no matter what. Many of us have a problem with vertical relationship with God, and that's why your horizontal relationship with people, with family members, is chaotic. Because you don't know how to love them. Why? You have never experienced the love of God. And that's why this is foundational. To love like Jesus, you better first encounter His love, God's love, Father. I remember a very successful businessman. He owned a very big TV network in the United States of America. Once upon a time, he goes to church. Once upon a time, his family claimed to follow Jesus. But when his sister got sick of cancer, and his church did not teach proper theology, the theology of suffering. You see, many churches focus on, well, if, you, if God loves you, you will not get sick. If God loves you, he'll give you everything you want. It's called prosperity theology. My friend, this guy believed if God loves him, he must answer his prayer. How can a loving God allow suffering? How can a loving God allow my sister to have cancer and not heal him? That is what most people believe in, wrong theology. You never understood suffering and pain came into this world in Genesis chapter 3, when we committed sin and when we turned away from God, God allowed suffering. Now, suffering is not always bad. It is redemptive. But most of us don't understand this theology. You know what happened to this man? When his sister died, he became an atheist. There's no God. Now, I don't know what's happening in your life, but my concern is this. If God does not solve your problems, if God does not answer your prayer, I'm afraid if you don't know God's love, you will turn away from him. Learn to be like Jesus. When Jesus was in the midst of the worst pain, what did he say? Father. And what did he say next? Forgive them. Now, I don't know how you are going to pray. But you know what? Because Jesus trusted the Father, his love was from the Father, and because he loved the Father, he was willing to suffer. Notice, true love. True love is this. If you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Notice, Father. Do you have that relationship with God that you know his will is the best for you? 
Do you really believe? No, be honest with me. Do you sincerely believe that God's will is born out of His love for you and He wants what's best for you? My friend, I firmly believe God loves you, God loves me. And whatever is going to happen in my life, I am trusting God because I know God loves me. Yesterday, a lady came to see my wife. She said, Diana, do you remember when your daughter was raped, how I came to see you? Now, my wife and I did not remember that story. Yesterday was the graduation of the Campus Crusade for Christ Seminary. So we were here. And this girl said, when I heard that in spite of what happened to your family, you decided to pray for the rapists. You all decided to forgive. She said, you don't realize the impact of that truth. It affected my life. My friend, the reason why we can forgive, the reason why we can pray for those people who did bad things against our family is because God, God's love has come upon our lives. It is not us. It's Jesus loving in and through us. I don't take any credit. So my friend, let me ask you a question. Do you love like Jesus? Are you able to forgive? Can you turn to your neighbor? Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. Do you love like Jesus? You know, this is so crucial. The prayer of Jesus is simply this. Father, forgive them. Can I tell you something? If you were Jesus, I know how you will pray. I know how I will pray. You know how I will pray? Father, judge them. Kill them. Yes or no? Now be honest with me. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For you and for me? But I come Lord sent lightning and thunder. You know the Romans, they worship the God of vengeance. So this is amazing. To hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them. There was, a, there was a seminar of three basic religions in the world. And the speakers were all talking about what is so good about their religion. So when it became the turn of the Christian, the Christian said, after presenting his the uniqueness of Christianity, he now turned to one of the religious leaders. I want to ask you a question. In your religion, you have many ways to heaven, but one thing you teach, to be sure to go to heaven, you must kill the infidel. Is that true? The religious leader said, yes, that's true. Second question, who are the infidels? And then the religious leader said, people who don't believe, like us. And he said, I have a problem. He said, would you rather have a religion 
where your founder, where your leader will say, you must kill in order to be sure you'll go to heaven, or you have somebody like Jesus who tells us, love people because you are going to heaven and you want them to go to heaven with you. You know, that simple proposition, the entire audience was quiet. The uniqueness of Christianity is Jesus. He taught us to love and forgive. When you love, you will forgive. The reason is simple. Jesus came to do the will of God. Many people don't realize Jesus, to love like Jesus is simply this, to be motivated by love. Everybody, please read. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, let me ask you. If you have problems obeying the Lord, singles, if you have problems living a pure life, if you have problems with temptations, the solution is simple. You tell Jesus to help you love him more than you love yourself. Let me repeat. If you struggle with obedience, you must pray, Lord Jesus, help me to love you the way you love me as I meditate on how much you love me. Help me to love you more than I love myself. You see, my friends, disobedience is a picture of how much we love ourselves and not the Lord. And that's why the core value of CCF is love. Love God, love each other. If you cannot love God, love each other, be honest with God. The Bible tells us how. You focus on his love. By focusing on God's love, you learn to love him. Let me repeat. Sometimes I don't feel like loving the Lord, but I focus on how much he loved me. Can you turn to your neighbor? Tell your neighbor, God loves you so much. Do you know Jesus loves you so much? And all he's asking you is love him back in return. Notice, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. What does that mean? They do not know what they are doing. Well, the Bible tells us Jesus is simply saying the people are doing what they are doing to him is because they don't know him. For example, what did the people do? They mocked Jesus. They made fun of him. Yes or no? Why? They don't know him. Jesus is not saying ignorance is an excuse for sinning. That is not what he's teaching. By the way, have you been caught by a traffic policeman? And you tell the policeman, sorry, boss, hindi ko alam ito eh. Anong sabi ng policeman? Sorry, sir. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. So what Jesus is saying, he's not saying it's okay to sin because you're ignorant. No, no. He's saying what they are doing, they don't know because they don't know who he is. For example, they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. See, Jesus is saying, these guys don't know who I am. Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh to fulfill prophecies. Example, they cast lots, dividing up his garments. Where do you find that in the Bible? 
1,000 years ago, before Christ, the book of Psalm tells us, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. My friend, 1,000 years before Christ was born, the Bible talks about the coming Messiah. Jesus says, they don't know who I am. They don't know I'm their Savior. 700 years before Christ, the book of Isaiah was written. And this is what Isaiah chapter 53 talks about. God's holiness and God's love. Let me explain to you. He was pierced through for our sin, our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The, chast the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, the principle of substitution. And by his scourging, we are healed. Are you aware who is Jesus? Jesus is a fulfillment of God's promise. It's a prophecy. It's a promise that God will send us a Savior. And the Savior, the Messiah, is none other than Jesus. What will Jesus do for us? The Bible tells us he will be pierced. Will be crucified for us. What will he do for us? He was crushed for our sins. My friend, if you don't understand the gospel, you will not fall in love with Jesus. The Bible says, I'm a sinner. Notice the next verse. You need to understand the love of Jesus. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That is sin. Sin means I do it my way. How many of you know the Frank Sinatra song? That's my favorite. Used to be my favorite. I did it my way. You know that song? And now the end is near. Okay, that's enough. I'm not a song leader here. Now, listen to me. All of us, like Frank Sinatra, or we do it my way, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That is what makes sin so serious. Sin is serious because you tell God, I don't care. I don't care what you want me to do. I'll do it my way. I know parents are hurt when your children look at you and your children says, I don't care. I won't obey you. My friend, once you know the reality of our sinfulness, you begin to appreciate the love of God. In spite of what I've done against Jesus, I have sinned against the Lord many times. I don't know about you. I am a sinner. I've hurt the Lord many times. But can I tell you something? In spite of my sinfulness, the Bible tells us the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on who? To fall on Jesus. So my friend, once you understand the love of Jesus, he took your place on the cross because he loved you. My friend, you cannot love without experiencing God's love in your life. So, what's the message today? Love like Jesus. Jesus loved you. He died for you. He took your place. You know, love is costly. You know why it's so costly? Because Jesus was thinking what we need. Our greatest need is forgiveness. That's your greatest need. You don't need another sermon. You and I, we need forgiveness. What did Jesus do for us? He provided forgiveness. 
by dying on the cross. Why did he have to die on the cross? Very simple. God is holy. Sin has to be paid for. And for sin to be paid for, somebody has to pay. That is the holiness of God, the righteousness of God. In other words, for God to forgive us, somebody has to pay. And Jesus paid for your sin. Until you understand the teaching of the substitutionary death of Christ. This is a theological term. Substitutionary, the principle of substitution. You will never understand the grace of God. The grace of God is very simple. I am a sinner. I deserve to die. It, it is just like this young boy. This young boy does not obey the law. He was always over-speeding, always over-speeding, always driving fast. And one day, the police caught him. Now, in the States, when you're over-speeding, they will stop you, and they will penalize you based on the number of kilometers, number of miles you exceeded the speed limit. And this young boy, after checking the record, they discovered he cannot be allowed to drive again because he has not paid many times all the penalties. So the police said, young man, I'm sorry. I cannot return to you the license. You need to go with me today to the court and settle your debts. You know, the problem was this. When they went to the court, you know what was the problem? The judge was the problem. He was the father. And the judge had a problem. It's my son. And the judge looked at the paper. The boy owes thousands of dollars. The father cannot... He knew the son cannot pay, but he loved the son. What did he do? You know what the father did? He went down from the bench, removed his clock, went down, got his wallet out. I don't know if he used a Visa card or MasterCard. I don't know what he did. He paid the penalty. After paying the penalty to the clerk of court, he went back to the bench and banged the gavel. Case dismissed. Why? The penalty was paid. Love took the place. My friend, once you understand Jesus took your place on the cross, why? He loves you. God loves you. Do you believe that? So, what can we learn about God's love? To love like Jesus means what? Be willing to forgive. You seek, you seek the best interest of the party. We needed forgiveness. He provided forgiveness. It's costly. To love like Jesus is costly. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at Jesus, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself. You see, in this story, you have two criminals. Why two criminals? Let me tell you why two criminals. I believe nothing happened by accident. When Jesus was crucified, the Bible tells us there was one on the right and one on the left. Let me ask you a question. Why not criminal, criminal, Jesus? Why criminal, Jesus, criminal? Have you ever thought about it? Let me tell you. I believe God designed it on purpose because the two criminals represent all of us. Two kinds of sinners. One is willing to repent. The other one is not. Both criminals heard exactly the same thing. They heard Jesus saying, Father, 
forgive them. Grammatically, the word forgive them is repeated, meaning Jesus kept repeating, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Every time they mocked him, every time they insulted him, Jesus kept saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. You know, that statement, they do not know what they do, is so crucial. Because if you know Jesus, you will not do what you are doing. Let me repeat. The reason why you and I do what we are doing, many times, we don't know Jesus. People outside, they mock Jesus. They do all, all kinds of foolishness simply because they don't know Jesus. But you who know Jesus, my prayer is your behavior should be different. And then the Bible tells us two criminals heard exactly the same thing, saw exactly the same thing. Can I tell you what they saw? They saw the title of Jesus, Yeshua, the King of the Jew. The word Jesus means what? Savior. The king of the Jews, Ha-Melech. That is the word for the king. My friend, they heard exactly the same thing, but they responded differently. The other one answered, rebuking him, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Notice the other criminal. Understand understood the fear of God. Recently, I went to visit somebody who has stage four cancer. He's dying. The family asked me to pray for him. But when I met this man, my heart sank. Because to this day, the man never understood the fear of God. I told him point blank. I said, are you aware? You don't have many days to live. His heart has been so hardened in the past. And I realize there comes a point in your life when you keep hardening your heart that the Holy Spirit of God is no longer able. Not because He is not able, but because you have refused to listen. You have two criminals. One was so hardened, he refused to repent. Is it possible for sinners to come to that point where you will not repent anymore? My answer to you is yes. I've seen this happen many times. In fact, the Bible tells us, God says, my spirit will not always strive with you. So ladies and gentlemen, my advice to you is this. If God is speaking to your heart today and he's telling you to repent, do not have a hard heart because a hard heart is dangerous. Two criminals heard exactly the same thing, saw exactly the same thing, but you know what? The other one humbled himself. Everybody read this. We are suffering justly. That's humility. I deserve to be judged. We are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. I am a sinner. This man has done nothing wrong. In contrast, you have Jesus. 
done nothing wrong. But he heard Jesus praying, forgive them, forgive them. I believe this criminal took that prayer seriously. He decided he will go to Jesus because Jesus offered forgiveness. You see, the love of God is amazing. To love like Jesus, you must realize forgiveness is part of the language of God's love. He wants to forgive you. How can you love like Jesus if you have not experienced the unconditional forgiveness of God in your life? You'll be full of anger, full of bitterness. Do you know why some people cannot forgive? They have not experienced God's forgiveness. Do you know there are many people today full of bitterness? They don't have peace. Can I tell you why? They cannot release because they themselves do not feel forgiven. You are still trying to earn forgiveness. You have not understood. Listen to me. The love of God is by grace. You cannot earn it. Today, if you are listening to me, I'm going to tell you something. God loves you. You cannot earn His love. He's saying, I love you. The only question is, are you willing to receive His love? Are you willing to say, Lord, here I am. I surrender. And the Bible tells us this man understood who is Jesus. Look at his prayer. He was saying, Jesus, Savior. That's the word for Jesus. Yeshua, Savior. Remember me. Personal me. When you come in your kingdom. My friends, the man believed that Jesus was not just a good man, that Jesus was not just a teacher. He's the Messiah. Jesus is coming again in his kingdom. In the meantime, he offers us forgiveness. Lord, remember me. Now, what did Jesus say when he asked Jesus, remember me? What did Jesus say? The second statement of Jesus. The first one is what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What is the second one? This is the second one. Jesus tells this man, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. I want to highlight just a few words. Number one, I say to you, this is the authority of Jesus. Truly, Jesus is now talking to you. I say to you, the next important word today. People often ask me, can I be sure if I die, I'm going to go to heaven? What's the answer? You can be sure. You have two criminals. One criminal repented. And Jesus said, today, you. What's the next important word? You shall be. By the way, did he say, you may be with me? You shall. Certainty. Be with me. This is most precious. Heaven, paradise, is the presence of Jesus. My friend, the truth is this. You will have prayer requests that is not answered today. There will be problems and pain that you feel God has not fixed. But one thing I tell you, God's love is after your best interest. And can I tell you the best thing that happened to this criminal? He got caught and he was crucified. 
That's the best thing. Why? When he got caught, when he got crucified, he was brought to the very presence of Jesus. And in that short moment of his life, he was able to see Jesus. You see, many times you and I don't understand the love of God. We say, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? Why did you not answer my prayer? Many times you want God to do what you want him to do. You have not learned that the love of God is something that he wants to happen based on what's best for you. Not what you like, not what you think is good, because God is smarter than all of us. He knows what is best. And the best thing that could ever, ever happen to this criminal is what? To be caught and crucified. Why? Because God promised him a better future. Ladies and gentlemen, God is very clear. In this life, you have tribulation. In this life, you have problem. But he tells us, that's a better place. Because God's goodness is to transform my character. God's goodness is to make me like His Son, Jesus, so that someday I will enjoy eternity forever with Jesus. And my friend, the last statement of Jesus is amazing. Today, everybody, you shall be with me in paradise. Are you sure if you were to die today, you'll be with Jesus? You know, the word paradise is a beautiful word. The Persians use paradise to describe a beautiful garden where the king will spend time with his friends. It's a special garden, beautiful garden, where the king will invite his friends in that garden. It's a very private place. All of this beautiful word picture, paradise, is a picture of God telling us, I'll be with you. That's the greatest good. What's the greatest good? The presence of God. What does it mean to love like Jesus? Well, to love like Jesus means what? Your love comes from God. You need to have a relationship with God in order to love people. What is to love like Jesus? It's costly. You seek what's best for them. Not what's best for you. What's best for them? Be willing to pay the price. But above all, love is always after the best interest. And I praise God that this man, this criminal, let me share with you this criminal. If they will show me the verse, I will uh, tell you what happened to this criminal. Okay? This criminal, don't look at this first, just look at me. If this criminal was given a chance to live again, what will he do? I submit to you, he will serve Jesus. He will love Jesus because he experienced forgiveness. My friend, my prayer for you is this. If you really believe, everybody read, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If Jesus Christ be God and he loved me and he died for me, who am I not to give my best for him? Friends, two ways to live your life. To love like Jesus 
or to remain as you are. Two kinds of people in this room. One of you, some of you will say, Lord, I need you. You come to Jesus. Another group, you heard this, it does not change your life. Two kinds of believers. One, you learn to love like Jesus. You will love him. And you will do everything because you love him. The other one, nothing. Business as usual. I don't know which one you are. But one thing I know, God loves me. And he's coming again. And when he comes again, my prayer, Lord, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And what is the promise? Today, you shall be with me. The certainty of our forgiveness, the certainty of our salvation. If God has spoken to you, I want you to respond to him today. Let's bow our heads. If God has spoken to you, and you feel you needed to do something, I don't know what that thing is. Perhaps some of you, you need to come to Jesus. Perhaps some of you, you need to forgive others. I don't know what it is, but God is asking you to do something. Will you raise your hands? Praise God. Anybody else? God has spoken to you. And God is saying, you need to do something. I want to give you an invitation to those of you who are not yet sure that when you die, you'll go to heaven. Today, you want to be sure to experience God's love. I'd like you to learn from this story. Just like the criminal, you admit you're a sinner. You admit that you need Jesus. And you come to Jesus. If you like me to pray for you, because you want to be sure, you want Jesus to be in your life, will you raise your hands? Praise God. In other words, you want to be sure. And God has spoken to you. Raise your hands higher. Because I want to pray for you. The second group of people I want to pray for are those who know Jesus already. But you have left your first love. And you want to be rekindled. And I want you to tell Jesus, Lord, help me to know how much you love me. With that in mind, many of you raise your hands the first time. I want you to stand up, okay? If you raise your hands, stand up. I want to pray for you. Yes, stand up. You want me to pray for you. You want to be sure you experience God's love. You want to humble yourself. Feel free, stand up. Make a commitment to Jesus. You tell Jesus, Lord, I need you. Okay, stand up. Keep standing up. <clears throat> if God has spoken to you and you want to respond, you come to Jesus. You want to stop playing games. You want to stop playing Christianity. You want to take Jesus seriously. Come to him. Anybody else? Praise God. Now, those of you who are standing, remain standing. Before I pray, I want to ask the second group of people. You have come to know Jesus in the past. You know Jesus. But you have left your first love. And you want me to pray for you. You want to be restored. Stand up also. Yes, stand up. You say, I've known Jesus, but I've left my first love. I want 
that first love again. I want to pray for you. Praise God. Anybody else? Between you and Jesus. Don't think of other people. Just think of you and Jesus and just think of Jesus. Imagine Jesus on the cross and you are beside Jesus. What will you tell Jesus? May I suggest the following prayers. For those who are not yet sure that they will go to heaven, I want you to pray this prayer with me to Jesus, something like this. Lord Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. I admit I've sinned against you. I need you. Today, Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. Forgive my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross as a substitute for me. I accept your payment for my sins. I accept your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for promising me that today, if I were to die, I'll be with you. Thank you for the greatest blessing, your very presence, your very promise. To the second group, you pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I've lost my first love. Lord Jesus, my eyes have been on circumstances. Perhaps I'm too busy. Perhaps, Lord, I feel bad. You have not answered my prayer. But today, Lord Jesus, I realize you are after my best interest. And I realize today, Lord, I may not always get what I would like to happen in my life. But, Lord, I know something good will come out of this. If not in this life, Lord Jesus, someday you will make everything new. Someday I will have a new body. Someday I'll be with you in paradise. Lord, someday there will be a new beginning. I look forward to that day. In the meantime, Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. Help me now to love you back because you have loved me so much. You have given your life. You have promised me what's best for me. Help me now to respond in love. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, folks. See you. Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group. We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.